Welcome to the Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny, Pool, Patio, and Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. Appreciate you guys coming through the Sweet Spot again and taking a listen to some of my takes on today's current topics. And we know over the last week or so, shocking news came out of Foxborough when the Patriots decided to release Cam Newton and roll with Mac Jones as their starter for this year. Now, we knew when the Patriots took Mac Jones in the first round of this year's draft that he was their guy, right? There was no surprise that eventually Mac Jones would take over. I even had a friend, Bronwyn Cook. She told me a year ago, she was like, watch Mac Jones go to the Patriots. And then sure enough, draft night, he selected 15th overall by the Patriots, which I love that selection for the Patriots as well, even for Mac Jones also, because there were two teams that I liked for Mac Jones going into the draft, one, the Patriots, and two, the New Orleans Saints. I felt like Mac Jones would fit in perfectly with those two franchises. So the fact that the Patriots took Mac Jones, I felt was a home run for both sides, but I did not expect him to take over the starting jobs in his first year, uh, especially with Cam Newton coming back. You know, I was excited to see Cam Newton in a full opportunity to get an opportunity just to be a Patriot. You know, last year with COVID, they didn't have a preseason, didn't have a training camp, didn't have OTAs. I mean, it's one thing to go to a new franchise, a new system, and have to learn it without having the proper time that you normally would have. It's a totally different scenario when it's New England. We all hear about the Patriot way and how they handle business and how they're different from what everybody else does and how complex Bill Belichick can be and how stingy and just downright, just not even fun to work with. I mean, we heard that from Reggie Wayne, who retired with the Patriots after signing with them briefly. He just talked about how his time with them was not fun and it was just too much like a job and business you know you want to have a nice little balance in those scenarios but going back to cam newton you know this is something that really you know it frustrated me because i wanted to see him in a full season with new england who made some improvements signing nelson aguilar i'm not a huge fan of his but that's better than what they had last year they also signed tight ends Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith as well. And we know the Patriots and the success they've had with their tight ends with Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez. So I felt like signing those two guys gave the Patriots an opportunity to kind of go back to what they've had success in, what they've known in their recent years, in their dynasty championship years. A two tight end set with a quarterback who can make the throws. And, you know, I was looking forward to Cam Newton being that guy and rede- redeeming himself from what happened last year because I don't, regardless of what season – a team had as far as the COVID year. If it was a great season, okay, that was awesome. You you beat the odds. But if you had a down year, even if it was Penn State or Michigan or some of these schools or just franchises in the NFL that just didn't handle it well, I feel like that's an exemption year, you know, because everybody doesn't handle the pandemic the same. I know I talked to my, to my cousin Jeremy about that, and he said that same statement. Like, everybody handles – Every, you know, situations differently. Nobody responds to to chaos the same way. So uh, I can't fault the Patriots or anybody for having a down year. It's one thing if you don't have the talent, but then in a pandemic year, I think that's a totally different scenario. So the news of Cam Newton's release was definitely frustrating. But what came about afterwards is really 
more disheartening of anything. And that's when former Patriot Rob Ninkovich came out and said that Mac Jones was basically teaching Cam Newton the playbook. And, you know, when I heard that, I immediately thought about previous conversations that I've had with my cousin Jeremy, with my my aunt Yvonne, and with my friend Kenneth Reeves as well. I mean, me and Jeremy, me and my aunt Yvonne were just talking about this over Labor Day weekend while I was home in Madison, Alabama. And that's the whole connotation that black quarterbacks aren't able to read defenses. They aren't able to understand playbooks. And that's the only thing you hear from black quarterbacks. It's never the fact that, oh, he just doesn't have the talent. Black quarterbacks always have the talent, they assume. But it's always the fact that they can't digest a playbook. They're not smart enough. And the only thing you hear about white quarterbacks is, oh, he just doesn't have the talent. It's never a question if white quarterbacks can understand playbooks if they're smart enough. That never comes up. Whenever a college quarterback is getting ready to enter the NFL draft, it's always, okay, he just doesn't have the talent. He doesn't have the arm strength. He's not accurate enough. But it's never in question if he's smart enough. I remember going back to my days at Auburn and, you know, tailgating, and I can't remember who we were playing against, but it was a fan from that school. It could have been Mississippi State or, you know, LSU or Kentucky, but it was a fan that was at our tailgate. And I'm going to take you back. This is 08, 09. You know, Cody Burns was this, you know, top QB coming out of Arkansas. And, you know, by that point, he wasn't panning out, right? It was Chris Todd who was the quarterback. And I remember this fan from the other team saying, you know, I thought Cody Burns would be your guy. Is it is he not able to understand the playbook? You know, what is it? And I remember that to this day, and that's over 10 years ago. And that's something that hasn't changed. It's always in question with black quarterbacks that they are not smart enough. They can't be a leader. They just don't have the ability and the uh, comprehension, the mental capacity to be a quarterback and thrive at the highest level. Now, this isn't just my take. Take a listen to Skip Bayless. We all know Skip from Undisputed. Before that, he was on ESPN's first take. This is his take on the Cam Newton situation and Rob Ninkovich, his comments that he made about Cam not being able to understand the playbook and that Mac Jones, a rookie, was teaching Cam the plays of the New England Patriots. I'm sorry. I don't think Cam's an idiot. Right. I, I, you know, what, what rankles me, what gives me pause, what, frankly, in the end horrifies me is are we creeping back into black quarterback syndrome where, oh, the black quarterback doesn't have the mental capability mm-hmm. that the white quarterback yeah. has? Even the young 20, whatever he is, 22-year-old, right? 23-year-old, mm-hmm. straight out of Alabama. Mm-hmm. He can't process as quickly as Mac. Mac just absorbed it, and then in meetings, he's having to teach it to Cam, who's only been there for a whole year. Right. I, it's just hard for me to swallow that. Right. I, I don't like. I, I don't like the – the echoes of that. I, I don't, because I, I lived through it, you've lived through, mm-hmm. we've come a long way in this regard, and all of a sudden it feels like we're taking a step backward. Right. You know, when I came across that soundbite from Skip Bayless, it just, you know, brought a smile to my face just because, I mean, you expect or you would hope or you kind of think 
that a black analyst would say something like this, right? Because the world has become super sensitive when it comes to race and everybody think it's always about, you know, uh, about race. But in this particular case, it really, you can't deny it. And if you've never considered this to be uh, a possibility, then go back and, like I said, think about the quarterbacks, the young black quarterbacks that come into the league. It's always questioned if they can process things quickly, if they can read defenses. You never hear about that with white quarterbacks. You just don't. And, you know, I love I love my white people. You all know that. I grew up in a predominantly white high school. I get around with, with everybody, and there is no – race baiting here this is pretty much calling it for what it is and now that this is another opportunity to to address it and to bring it to the forefront you know i just felt like it was a perfect time to do so and so you know that's what i love about skip bayless and you know guys like max kellerman they will address topics that are uneasy to talk about so i do appreciate you know guys like that who are willing to speak in front of a microphone, in front of a camera, and say it how it is. And that wasn't the only thing that Skip Bayless had to say about the situation. As we dive back into Fox Sports 1's Undisputed with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. Cam Newton is a football player mm-hmm. at the highest level. He won an MVP. He, he lifted a team all the way to the Super Bowl. And you can't do that if you if you can't process, you know, Mm -hmm. you just can't, I'm sorry. The game is going, it's too fast. It's too hard. You, you you have to have complete control of the playbook Mm -hmm. and the play calls. And I believe he does at the highest level. Right. So I I just don't like the implication here. And, you know, skip listing Cam Newton's accolades, what he's achieved in his college career, his NFL career, leading Auburn to its second national title, first in 50 years, leading the Panthers to the Super Bowl, becoming the season MVP. Like you said, you can't do those things if you don't have the mental capacity, the ability to process things quickly and to read defenses and understand playbooks and strategies and tendencies. Those things are not possible. It's one thing to have talent, and your talent can get you to the league. But your physical talent doesn't keep you in the league. It's the mental capacity, the ability to understand what you're going against and how to and how to properly counter what your opposition is showing you. So I love that Skip Bayless said that, you know, we all talk about quarterbacks and usually the quarterbacks that are talked about at a high level are of a white race. And it's it's sad that it's always that way. Because when you do have a black quarterback, usually they assume that he can run. And if he can run, you know, at some point they're wondering, can he just be a passer or is he good enough in the passing game? When you're a dual-threat quarterback, you can run and pass. So if your legs is your strength, then until they can stop it, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And so the media plays heavily into creating this narrative that, you know, you look at Donovan McNabb and Mike Vick and, and, and Vince Young and Cam Newton and some of these guys that have come through, even Lamar Jackson, they're still tearing him down. And, okay, he's done this, but can he do that? It's always raising that bar, as my cousin Jeremy has said, it raising that bar. Once he checks one thing off the list, okay, he's done this, but can he do that? And, you know, he they doubted him coming into the league. They wanted him to work out at receiver, and they're calling him a running back. And this guy wins the MVP a few seasons into the league. So 
it's it's sad. It really is just sad. And like I said, if you have never considered this as a possibility, go back, have a deep down kind of conversation with yourself and and pinpoint these things. Pinpoint those examples of man, wow, I'm glad Corey brought this to my attention. I never never thought about this. I never considered that. But man, the more I look at it, I can't ignore it. And one more thing that was said and undisputed this comes from Shannon Sharp, awesome analyst. I love his entertainment and just, you know, the examples that he illustrates on a daily basis on their show. Uh, so take a listen to Shannon Sharp. And this is his take and an interesting take that I didn't really think about that. It could be a reason why Rob Ninkovich said these things, why he came out with this comment. And obviously we don't know if it's true, but. It's hard to believe that it would be true for the reason that's been stated by Skip Bayless. That's been stated by myself. But take a listen to Shannon Sharp as he addresses these rumors. I think now, Skip, I think this is just unnecessarily piling on. To make it seem like Cam Cam, Cam has been in the league a decade. And here he is, the second year in the offense. And here's a rookie just come in learning the offense. Is teaching, telling Cam what he needs to do in this offense. That could be the case, Skip, but... I just find that hard to believe. I just, to me, I just think these guys have a have a perception or understanding of how the Patriots players should conduct themselves. And anybody that does not conduct themselves in that way is going to run a foul with those guys because this is what they did. They told the line. They stated it was this, Skip. There was none of that. Yeah, they played rap music. But Cam's personality, they've never had anybody. Like with Cam's personality and even Gronk. I mean, they let, I mean, Gronk have them a good old time. He's chugging beers in the parade and all that stuff. But for whatever reason, Cam was an outsider and they looked down on outsiders. And, you know, Shannon Sharp had an excellent point talking about the former Patriots, Damian Woody and Teddy Bruschi and Rob Nikovich, some of the older guys that have come through. And, you know, here we hear about the Patriot way, you know, with Rodney Harrison and some of those guys. And I, I really didn't think about it until he said it. You know, they, they do look at Cam as an outsider. Like, who is this guy that's always dancing and listening to music? You know, we never saw any Patriots do anything like that. They always came in with kind of a serious business mindset approach. And so when he said those things, it made perfect sense. So even though, you know, Belichick could have been great. You know, Belichick wants to win games. He doesn't care what you look like. He doesn't care what you talk like. He is a guy that just wants to get W's. You know, kind of like Nick Saban. Nick Saban, hey, I want a winner. If you're going to come and get the job done, that's all I care about. I don't care how you dress. You know, you look at Belichick when he traded for Randy Moss. They they took gambles on personalities, you know, pretty much. And, you know, Randy Moss, they had a perfect season until losing in the Super Bowl against the Giants. But that made perfect sense from some of the former players who are still chirping and, you know, everybody has a microphone these days and they can say whatever. And Rob Nikovich is, is the current Patriot member to say something about this. And for him to speak on this matter, for one people, there's going to be people on the flip side saying, okay, why would he say it if it wasn't true? Or he must know some, some truth to it being a former Patriot. He knows exactly what's going on inside that building, but that doesn't mean he knows what's really happening or he does know what's happening he doesn't like the fact that the narrative is that cam newton is a great guy everybody loves cam newton not not one person 
in that teammate locker room has said anything negative about him. It's always he's the first to come. He's the last to leave. He is a super hard worker. We heard Belichick say that himself that this dude works extremely hard. So he could be one of those guys that finally wants to speak out and destroy Cam because he knew he couldn't destroy Cam while he was in that Patriot locker room. He didn't want to be the guy. He couldn't speak on that because he knew current members on that team would probably come out heavily against him. And so now that Cam has been released, it looks like they've chosen Mac Jones over Cam when we don't know the truth about that COVID situation, that misunderstanding why Cam wasn't there. That could play a huge part in to why the Patriots made a decision now and all that. We we really don't know. But I really believe that Ninkovich had an opportunity to pile dirt on Cam. Like, this is the time to do it. Shannon Sharp mentioned it as well. This is the time to do it. He's cut. Now let's pile up on him and just destroy his uh, reputation even more. When Ninkovich, I believe, have has no clue, no clue what's going on. And there is no merit to what was said. And this is a guy who's trying to be the kryptonite to Cam Newton's Superman abilities. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is the introduction sponsor for The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like big green eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan. Our phone, 334-671-POOL. Attorney Kaz Espy is a proud supporter of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Kaz has experience in both federal and state courts regarding a wide range of civil matters. Specializing in bankruptcy, debt resolution, probate, and estate planning, Kaz listens to the concerns of his clients, understanding their individual needs. Attorney Kaz Espy, phone 334-793-6288 or online at espymetcalf.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. Care Animal Center is a local business partner of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that is dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is careanimal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan, 334-794-6333. Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Ridgecrest Baptist Church proudly supports all local athletics. At Ridgecrest, we have many opportunities for all ages, including children, middle school, high school, and college students. I'm Chase Fault, the student pastor, and I want to invite you to see how your family might fit in at Ridgecrest. Learn more on our website at rbcdothan.org. Welcome back to the Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny, Pool Patio, and Spa. As we continue this theme of the negative connotation that black quarterbacks seem to receive and have been given for several years and decades and decades and decades, and how it seems to be that that current theme is playing out in today's game. Going back to the draft that was held in April of this year, You look at some of the top rookie quarterbacks. Of course, Trevor Lawrence went number one, Zach Wilson number two, Trey Lance number three. Justin Fields was one of the top QB prospects, and before, well before the draft took place, well before 
you know, the NFL draft was around the corner. Early college football season, it was Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. That was kind of one-two that was expected in the NFL draft. But the closer we got to the actual draft date, going through the combine and all the pro days and all the workouts that are done for prospects and for NFL teams, the more you heard Justin Fields, his name and how he wasn't able to perceive defenses and and understand defenses and go through progression and is he you know it was the same story tale that's been told for years and here we go again another quarterback another young talented quarterback that you've never heard any issue with um, prior to this whole scrutinized process to determine who's the right guy to take here we go again Justin Fields under the microscope and it's the same tale, the same storylines. It's a black quarterback who is not given the same fair shake that other quarterback prospects are given. As I mentioned, the process that prospects go through is really for the teams themselves. Like They'll like three or four guys, but to nail it down to one selection, because that's all you get is that one choice, that one opportunity to make the right selection, they'll create reasons why not to take this player, why not to take that player. And, you know, they take them through a series of drills. Of course, they look at film. And then there's this series of tests that they also give each prospect. And then they'll use... One of those things, they'll choose something that one of the, the players didn't test well or didn't do well in, and they'll harp on that. They'll feed that to the media. They'll leak it from their building. As my Aunt Yvonne always said, it's somebody's responsibility in that building to leak certain news to the public. And so this particular test that Justin Fields took, along with other quarterbacks this year, and quarterbacks in recent memory have taken as well, Listen to Mark Sanchez as he was a guest on Pat McAvee's show on his podcast. Listen to Mark Sanchez speak on Justin Field, how he tested in that particular area, and how his score level compares to other great quarterbacks that are currently in the league today. Now I think I'm learning even more. Like his coaches have come out and were like, no, I love the guy. Teammates say they love the guy. Came back and then the petition he had. Why is it, Mark? And were you a part of any of that type of bullshit when you were coming out where there was like maybe some smoke and mirrors being said about you that you thought they were potentially trying to uh, disrupt your draft uh, uh, stock? I didn't experience a ton of that. The only the, the real knock on me was just lack of experience, right? Only playing for one year. One year starter is was something that I dealt with coming out. But for Justin, so um, this guy, uh, Dr. Goldman, he's a he's a sports psychologist. I talked to him yesterday. He he has some interesting information on how he evaluates players, all players and from all different sports. Okay, since 2012. This guy's interviewed and and given this uh, basically like a mental aptitude test uh, on an iPad of 6,500 athletes, professional athletes, okay? Not just your average Joe walking down the street. These are like ballers, okay? Not me. They have a – exactly, like you. Not me. me. They have a learning efficiency um, rating on there. So it's basically like – uh, this acquisition, like, so how many reps does it take to you get it, to you understand okay. something and then your recall, like once you have it, can you bring it back and, and use it? Right. That's basically what they're, what they're 
uh, trying to figure out in one part of this test. Justin Fields, okay, the guy who supposedly can't go through his reads, you know, doesn't have great work ethic, all this, all this bogus stuff. He scored the highest ever, okay? He scored the highest that they can Out rank him. 65 hunch. Okay. Like, a, it, they scored a 130 on it. He scored a 130. Mahomes was like a 108. Josh Allen was like a 108. Like, oh. over 100 is good. Bro, he was a 130. So you heard Mark Sanchez break down the test and the test score that Justin Fields had, that mental aptitude test that was given by a psychologist, and how he nailed it. Like, he scored better than anybody that's ever come through taking that test. So uh, just a reminder, guys, just to pay attention of the things that are said towards a certain group of people. And, you know, this is a – and it's not like, okay – Everybody always assumed that Justin Fields was smart or that he could go through his progressions, that he could read playbooks, that he's great at comprehension. No, the reports going into the NFL draft of 2021 was, can he read playbooks? How smart is he? I mean, these are the same things that were being said about Justin Fields, only for that notion to be disproved. So, just pay attention to the media and the things that the agenda they uh, try to create and, and push towards a certain group, certain race, certain gender. Just pay attention to it all because I'm telling you, don't always buy into the hype on what's said and, and what you read. That's not always the case. You got to be able to read between the lines. And I think this is another scenario where it proves just everything that you hear, everything that you say isn't always true. They say believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. Always remember those things in life, regardless of it's sports or you at work or at church or school, whatever it may be. Don't always feed into the hype. Don't always feed into the lies. So speaking of Justin Fields, you heard Mark Sanchez speak of the test of what was given and how he compared to some of the other greats that's come through in over 6,500 participants in this specific exam and how he scored a 130 I mean Josh Allen scored a 108 Patrick Mahomes scored a 108 and those scores were considered great what's a 130 I mean that's like excellent beyond amazing you know so uh you know Justin Fields I think he's gonna do an awesome job this year for the Bears whenever he gets the opportunity to be the guy I think the Bears have finally nailed you know, that quarterback selection after getting it wrong for so many years. You know, they've had a Cade McNown. They've had uh, Rex Grossman and, you know, recently, of course, Mitchell Trubisky. I think this is the time. I think they finally nailed it with the Justin Field selection with the number 11 pick out of Ohio State. They traded up to get him as well. But take a listen to Stephen A. Smith on Stephen A.'s world as he addresses the narrative that's been gone on way too long when it comes to black quarterbacks and specifically Justin Fields entering the NFL draft. So let me get this straight. Because I'm a little bit confused. Justin Fields did everything you could ask of a quarterback at Ohio State. He won. Touchdown, Justin Fields! He made plays. Fields, he'll do it himself. Made big-time throws just continues to be brilliant. By all accounts, conducted himself with honor on and off the field. 
he plays hero ball too much. Can you coach that out of him? He's kind of up and down with his ability to process information. He really likes to see his receiver come open rather than throwing with anticipation. Welcome to the latest chapter in a book of full of stories, just like this. One chapter could be how Lamar Jackson didn't get drafted until the last election of the first round three years ago. There was even talk of making him a damn wide receiver at the NFL level. Didn't hear that noise, though, when he won league MVP in 2019. You could easily add Russell Wilson as another chapter, considering how he was initially undervalued. But the truth is, it's all a part of the same sorry chapter. In 1978, Warren Moon, a future Hall of Famer, knowing he wouldn't get drafted in a 12-round NFL draft, had to go to Canada to get a shot at professional football. If you still don't get the point, allow me to make it for you. At the very least, it seems, as always, that when it comes to the black quarterback, NFL folks always appear to find reasons to depreciate their value rather than embracing it. Again, that soundbite comes from Stephen A's world, Stephen A. Smith, as he shares his take on Justin Fields as he was preparing for the NFL draft and some of the analysis and deemed weaknesses were that were said about Justin Fields at that time. And you heard me say, you know, other quarterbacks have always had that narrative, that connotation about them, that they are not good leaders, that they aren't able to comprehend things quickly. And just to wrap this segment up, I'm going to give you an example, give you examples, I should say, of current top 10 quarterbacks, black quarterbacks in the NFL and some of the pre-draft analysis that was said about them. Kyler Murray, top 10 quarterback. One of his weaknesses is that his recall is average. His ability to recall what just happened, what play they just ran or what coverage he just saw or, okay, we saw it in the first quarter, going to show it again to you in the second quarter. Are you able to comprehend what just happened just a, a quarter ago or a series ago or a possession ago? His recall is average. That's what one writer had to say about Kyler Murray, and we know how awesome of a QB he really is. Another one of Kyler Murray's presumed weaknesses going into the draft is this writer said he questions Kyler Murray's leadership skills. The next quarterback, you heard me speak on this guy earlier, Lamar Jackson. One of his weaknesses was his alarming Wonderlick score. This is a test that's given the prospects before they enter the draft to test their ability to comprehend and recall. And, you know, they think that if you do well in this test and you'll do well on the field when, you know, that's not necessarily the case. Okay, Lamar Jackson scored a 13 Dan Marino scored a 16, and Dan Marino's a Hall of Famer, uh, so go figure. Another of Lamar Jackson's presumed weaknesses was too much of one of the guys could stand to be more of a leader. Okay, you've seen Lamar Jackson play. You see how much he chirps and how much he is just motivating his teammates in their ear, pumping them up, looks and sounds like a leader to me. Next guy was Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's a top 10 quarterback, hands down, right? Hands down. One of his weaknesses from the same writer, this all comes from the same guy. Deshaun Watson has trouble working through progressions. Folks, I can't make this up. 
I'm sorry, I just can't make this up. This is the truth. Like, if you think about it, if you go back and think about even some of your own conversations, some of the things that you've heard on television and radio for decades, it's always the black quarterbacks who aren't able to understand. They have the physical ability. They just don't have the mental capacity to succeed and excel. And like I gave you my example of when I was a student in Auburn, just tailgating just like everybody else and this fan from another school questioning Cody Burns okay I thought Cody was your guy how come he's not starting for Auburn is he not able to understand the playbook and you know I had somebody else say the same thing after graduation I moved back home to Madison I run into somebody who was at Auburn also and he speaks on you know Cody Burns and just Kyle Frazier and just some of the black quarterbacks that's come through Auburn just Auburn alone and, you know, it was always presumed that they had the physical ability. They could run. They can throw. They're one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks, and that's why everybody loves them when they enter college. But it's always the fact, can he comprehend? Can he go through progressions? It's If, if that quarterback fails, it's never the fact that, okay, he just he didn't have the arm. He wasn't fast enough. It's always the mental side of things that people question. So think about that. That, let that be your sweet spot take for this week, for months, for years to come. When you're watching football, when you see a black quarterback, when you hear about a black quarterback, and think about the white prospects as they get ready to enter the NFL draft. What are their presumed weaknesses? What are some of the analysts saying about them while they may succeed or while they may fail? Because every time a black quarterback may fail, it's because of that mental awareness or lack thereof. When it comes to this prospect succeeding at the next level, this may be foreign to you. This may be something you've never heard or never considered before. But moving forward, at least take a second glance whenever those things are being said or the, some uh, those things are being perceived by other people. Just wanted to give you guys something to chew on moving forward because we all love sports. We all love football. But uh Sometimes I think there's an underlining that's being missed by those who may not be too familiar with that particular situation. So uh, just remember, looking ahead, is this quarterback being judged on the same playing field as the next QB? And if they are, how come we keep hearing the same old song play year after year? For more content, subscribe to Corey Bradley Sports. Once you search Corey Bradley Sports, you will see the Sweet Spot logo. And after you subscribe, you will receive notification anytime new content is uploaded. The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts as well. And always remember, there's nothing better than being in the sweet spot.